At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey, Legit Batters, we don't really do ads, but if you feel the need to support our dumb show, you can subscribe on Rockfin for all of our shows, plus bonus member shows, or on Patreon for audio versions. Oh my God, this sounds so scripted, it's terrible. No, read it like that the whole time. No, I can't. Yes, do it. Okay, or click on the affiliate link in the notes to support <laughs> awesome companies. I don't know who wrote these notes. Oh, yeah, it's me. If you don't feel like s- sending bullshit fiat currency to us, just share the show with a friend or give us a rating or review. You know, standard podcast shit. Actually, that could be said without the radio voice. Oh, well, maybe I'll put in a fart noise. <laughs> But we also accept sweet nothings in the form of DMs or emails. Seriously. That's actually more appreciated. We don't need your money. We just want loves. We don't need your money. It'd be cool. But I mean, if you don't want to buy us a beer, that's fine. You can just uh, say, hey, you guys are awesome. Or say, you guys suck. Those are funny too. No, it's like hanging out. When you go out and hang out with your friends at a show, just say you're at a concert would you be more excited that they were there and that you got to spend time with them or if they bought you a beer? I guess it would depend on your alcohol dependency levels, but yeah, we don't have that. We are just no. excited to be hanging out with you guys. That's it. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show and uh, support however you fucking want. Thank you. Hey. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. Testing. 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 One, two, three. I don't know shit about fuck. I love Leo. I like sucking. Legit bad podcast. You have a massive erection. You're chilling, you small. Welcome to Costco. I love you. Look at your balls at top. Hello, welcome to Legit Bat. Uh, this is a simulcast with Mark from Mark from New England. Fuck, Mark from my family thinks I'm crazy, so bring him in. And also, Ron from New England is joining us. Um, Mark, like we were talking about pre-show, have at it. Go for it. Do your thing. Thank you so much, Joe. And yes, you are correct. It is Mark from New England, although I don't go by that uh, name like our buddy Ron here. Ron, thank you for being here. Ben, thank you for being here. Joe and Jen, obviously, thank you so much for hosting this. Uh, It's a big relief because I've had a little bit of issues with OBS lately for anyone who's watching on Rockfin. Have some patience. We'll be back up and running. In the meantime, the legit Pat bat podcast is kind enough to host this what i wanted to do was like sort of a campfire storytelling everybody get together meeting of the minds because we all host our own shows and i think it's it's cool to get together every now and then and and share what's what's going on in your mind or what's been going on on the show or even just you know to share a share a story so i am from the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. If anyone is hearing this and is unaware, Ron, Joe, Jen, you guys want to go around and 
introduce yourselves and tell maybe some new listeners who you are and where they can tune in. Yeah, I'm uh, Joe. Jen's with me here. Ben's also in the house, and uh, we're legit bat, and we are also on Rockfin and audio podcasts and everything, and legitbat.com for t-shirts and all that stuff. Ronald? <clears throat> yeah, hey, it's Ron from New England from the Wicked Planet Podcast. I am not on Rockfin. I'm not anywhere. I'm just on everywhere you can listen to podcasts. So uh, come and check it out sometime. But yeah, thanks for having me on. I was looking forward to this. I think it's going to be an interesting conversation. Agreed. Agreed. And I hope everybody got their homework ahead of time done because I did send some homework. I sent a few questions. Apparently, uh, Ron, I forgot to send them to you. I apologize. But my thought was, you know, the audience is used to the sort of philosophical discussions. And this certainly isn't uh, a place where we can't get into that. But I was hoping we could focus more on maybe some stories that really have stuck with you. Maybe it's a story you've heard on the show. Maybe it's a story you've just come across in your research. Uh, for me, as somebody who is a fan of conspiracy podcasts, I often really enjoy the ones that go out of their way to present a story. You know, my podcasts, I can't always do that with every guest, but you know, I think that's part of one of the many skills we as podcast hosts have is, you know, the ability to tell a story, and I think you guys are well qualified for this task. So if you'd like, I could kick it off and, and share the urban legend that I heard about a couple years ago. And, and then maybe that'll give you guys some time to organize and sort out your thoughts. And, and we'll see who goes up next. Really, it's up to whoever's, uh, whoever's up for it. But I'll start. You guys have any questions? No, sounds good. I'm, I'm happy with you kicking it off. Cool. All right. So if I can take you all back to 1981, Portland, Oregon, the 80s, the, you know, techno revolution is underway and people are gaming like never before. And there is this mysterious arcade somewhere in Portland, Oregon, where a group of teenagers got addicted to this game called Polybius. It was serviced more often than other games, and allegedly men in black suits opened the machine every week, recorded his data, and left with no interest in the money that was left in the arcade machine. Okay? So soon after this game became legendary among the local gamers, it just vanished without warning. It's just gone from the arcade. And it's one of the big unsolved mysteries of the gaming world if you can call it that and it's become an urban legend thanks to conspiracy websites like the one i'm reading this from and uh and also the creepy pasta if you guys are familiar with that whole area of the internet so it's uncertain how far back the polybius tale goes but the earliest known discussion of it is thought to be from 1998 when a mysterious description appeared on the vintage gaming website coinop.org. So it states that Polybius had a very limited release, one or two backwater arcades in a suburb of Portland. And according to rumors, it was developed by some kind of weird military tech offshoot and used some kind of proprietary behavior modification algorithms 
developed by the CIA. So we're talking about a video game that kids are interacting with, and it's possibly uploading some kind of algorithm into their mind, right? So getting past some of the, the nerdier details here about the gaming world, what's really strange is that there's been at least five or six people who have separately relayed stories of their digital acid trips playing this game. Okay, five people posting these stories seemingly unconnected to one another. So the details about the game are pretty ambiguous as far as what the gameplay was like. Imagine one of those early like joystick shooter type games. I forget what the one was with aliens, like you would shoot the alien space invaders, right? Sort of yeah, a mix space between invaders, space yeah. invaders and like Pac-Man, right? It's sort of an early uh, like mobile game, whereas a lot of games at this time would just have one screen and everything would be moving on that one screen. This game was like shifting you through various levels. So... Polybius supposedly terrorized Oregon gamers. The government really was secretly testing unwitting subjects. The MK Ultra unethical. Uh, now it's connecting to MK Ultra. You guys are well aware of MK Ultra. So here in the article, they're making a connection to MK Ultra's, you know, thousands and thousands of documents that were declassified in 2001. Some of those documents have details connecting to video games that the government was using to test on soldiers. So whether or not they were also putting these out for the public to play with is, you know, up to speculation. But there's a pretty clear government connection between the video game industry, right? So let's get into a little bit more of the scary parts of Polybius. I want to find the creepypasta article, but you guys have any thoughts on this so far? Do you think, so was, was it an MKUltra program to try to see who is really skilled at this game or were they downloading stuff into people to scoop them up and put them in the MKUltra program? That's a great question. I think, I think the theory is that they were using it to recruit people who were vulnerable to maybe this MK Ultra program. Hence why these people were, you know, heading over to the machine weekly, but never taking any of the money out of it. It's just weird because uh, I've never even heard of that game. So this is awesome because you brought up something I didn't know. <laughs> shocking. But uh, if that was the case back then, can you imagine with the technology we have now, what they're doing in video games? I mean, it's come... I don't, I don't even know how to describe the ascent from the 80s to now as far as graphics and frame rates and all that shit. Like, if it was really some kind of MK Ultra thing, it got kicked into hyperdrive in, like, the early 2000s. So that was mm. pretty scary. Well, yeah, and, you, you know, with these false flag events or even, you know, the mass shooting events, that's always something, at least in the earlier days, that would come up, like, is it pop culture? Is it video games? You know, that's that was a big thing with the Columbine shooting. They were trying to blame the type of uh, pop culture that these kids were fans of. Um, but yeah, I think 
Let's see. Sorry for the dead air, folks. Hey, oh, Mark. Yeah. The one thing that I find interesting, because if you're talking in the 1980s, that is early, early in gaming. You're talking, this is right after, <clears throat> like, Atari, uh, Pong, Missile Command, the, like the stuff that I, that I grew up playing. Now, uh, my father would actually buy us actual, like, the real video games out of the out of the arcades he was hooked up with an italian guy <laughs> that uh, owned a bunch of arcades you know and that was a cash business so you guys know what i'm talking about and, and when they would swap the machines out well my dad would always say oh ronnie what do you want for games and i and i really liked uh well space invaders we had a two-player space invader uh where you sat like a table and you played it and uh, we had asteroids which was a really popular game back then I want to say tank battle, but there was a game called Tempest that I really liked. And it had geometrical shapes coming at you. And then it would have these uh, like stars coming at you. And you had a round knob that you could turn and shoot to try to kill them all. And that was a really cool game. So, but you're talking, this was like super like late 70s, early 80s. So for this game, this, uh, what is it, Polybius? Mm -hmm. For this game to be like, uh, you know, in, a, in an arcade, okay, that, that part's not strange. But it's so early in gaming, maybe it was the beginning of them trying to figure out something that they could get the kids addicted to. But not only that, single out people that possibly had special abilities Okay, so so something that they could use maybe in a mil for for a military application, you know, because I do know a lot of these kids that are flying drones, they get recruited from uh, from gamers, mm. you know, flying drones and stuff like that. So so right. this would be uh, this and would it, be interesting if it was something where they had something in the screen or in the actual game that either hypnotized the player, so to speak. And, and while they're under under uh, uh, hypnotic, you know, setup that that they would be able to maybe subliminally send something into them, their brain, the brain. And, and to try to make them, uh, you know, to MK Ultra them, to turn them into, you know, little secret weapons or something. I, well, I have, I've never heard of this, Mark. It's very, very interesting, though. It's funny you bring up Tempest because that's how they are Tempest. That's how they describe the game. It was very similar to Tempest. And some of the lore around the game is that when players would be engaging with the various levels, they would hear subliminal things like a woman crying or, you know, grotesque faces appearing like flashing on the screen and even, uh, you know, sort of out of the corner of their eyes, if you want to believe the more, you know, radical details that, that it was actually causing them to hallucinate some people reported nightmares nausea headaches blackouts and some even developed amnesia from playing the game so mm, it, it definitely got like a legend status among the kind of underground gaming scene as not you know something for noob gamers it almost got like a bragging rights type of thing like if you could if you could take on polybius and you were unharmed you know sort of like the like a metal attitude towards gaming um 
but I, I want to apologize because there's like this totally creepy, weird story that I found and I just didn't save it. And now I can't find it. But apparently this guy um, really, you know, recorded this in a podcast. So I'm going to just go ahead and plug the Polybius podcast. It's like one of these six episode type of uh, audio documentary shows really worth a listen. And what they took you through was this story of a kid who uh, quite possibly got wrapped up in, you know, some government program due to this video game and then went missing. Right. So I don't know where that story is. I've spent the last five, 10 minutes trying to duck, duck, go around for it. And, uh, and it's not here. All I see is just the sort of general information about the, about the game. So, yeah, I was looking it up too, while you were talking and uh, of course it's in Wikipedia as an urban legend and it's the Polybius uh, conspiracy. And, you know, that makes me want to look into it more, not less, but Ron, what you were saying about like training them for the military through video games, that's kind of the point of the, the show future man. If anybody hasn't watched that show. It's a great fucking show. Pretty funny. Uh, but it's about a dude who plays this game. He's like the best at it. And then all of a sudden people from the future show up it, side note, he jerks off on them when they first show up, which is funny, but they show up and they were like, you won. So you're like ready to fight these people. And he's like, they're what? the two characters in the game that yeah. you're fighting. With. They're like your sidekick characters. So it, it was literally out. a training thing from the future for what was going to be happening in the future. So he was like well prepared. He was not in the show, but it's a great watch anyway. That was, yeah, well, I was just, and I, I know I got stuff. a lag. Uh, but I was going to interject when he mentioned subliminal, uh, the subliminal uh, faces and whatnot. That's also coming out of a cinematic era where subliminal cuts into movies were a thing that they did for quite a long time as a money making scheme. Where if if you watch old reels, the nitrate reels, right before the reel would change, you would see a blotchy white flash in the corner, and that was to tell the guy in charge that he needed to sync up the next reel. Well, on those reels, you could actually replace individual frames. And what they would do is they would pop or not pop. They would put subliminal cuts of popcorn and they would also put subliminal cuts of Coca-Cola and all these other things. And they would do it at different times through in throughout the uh, the thing to see if people would actually because you, you you'll your mind sees it. That's the whole point of subliminal. Your mind will see it before you really realize or even if you realize that it's there. Um, and then they would they would jack up and then they would jack up the prices of, you know, during movie getting uh, Coca-Cola and popcorn. And that's how they made money. And then they outlawed it because it was, again, influencing the public to maybe purchase things that they don't want to do. So in that era of video gaming, I would not be surprised at all if those kind of subliminal cuts like you get to a certain checkpoint in the game without realizing it's a checkpoint in the game. And boom, like you said, grotesque faces and things of that nature um, haunting images, uh, the idea that you may not actually see the image unless it's with your mind's eye, therefore giving you this horrible feeling without really being able to explain it. All of that, I would totally see as a test from the government. I would not in any way, shape or form put it past it. Every time a new technology comes out, that's the first thing that they do is they beta test it. They, uh, they try to see how the public is going to react to it and then they tweak it before it actually launches. So I just want to throw that well, in there. That was my too. take on what you were talking about. Yeah, Ben, you're talking take. about how it was it was outlawed. That's your first clue that it's still fucking happening. Just like MK Ultra Project yep. was 
stopped and the UFO prog- program was stopped and all these things, Project Popeye with the weather, that was stopped. Okay, no, that right. means they got somewhere with it and now it went underground and you're not going to hear a goddamn thing about it after that. Well, right. what's uh, interesting... Exactly. Go ahead, Ron. Uh, oh, I was just going to say when Ben said that they had outlawed it uh, and and to and kind of back up what Joe was saying, yeah, they outlawed it for the, for the, for the regular folks, right? But... But we know that the CIA is integrated into Hollywood. So for us to actually believe that they stopped doing that, that's forget about it. That that's didn't happen. I guarantee you they're exactly. still doing it because just just look at uh, how how people get addicted to certain shows. I mean, you can get addicted to a show because it's really good. Take Yellowstone, for instance, and their spinoff, 1883, which I liked both of those. Right. Watched every episode. Hey, I don't sit down and watch whole whole like series like ever. Right. But but this is when for the public, when they outlawed that and I can remember when that was a big controversy and that was quite a few years ago. This is when you started seeing them go from doing a subliminal messages to product placement like like. So if Coca-Cola was like, well, if we can't get you to interject that into into the movie, then then we're going to pay you to have your character drink Coca-Cola or to smoke camels or whatever mm. and that's what threw the public off so now the public's like well no it must be illegal because now they're doing product placement is such a big thing because if you remember in the old days if they showed a beer it would be this one generic beer that was in every single movie and, right. it, and it looked like a weird like a knockoff of a budweiser can or, or if they were going to drink a hot coffee it wouldn't be dunkin donuts or anything like that it would be this one blue blue and white coffee cup that was used in every single movie i'm talking way back like in the 70s and 80s of course nowadays it's nothing to see somebody walking around with a dunkin donuts cup especially if they're doing a movie that's based in new england and especially if it's based in boston mm. everybody's walking around with a dunkin donuts cup right because dunkin donuts rules up here well i'm but, glad you point that out because uh, polybius was actually um like an easter egg in marvel's loki in the simpsons of course because they just suck everything into that show and then nine inch nails of all bands has polybius in their music video and um what's really interesting and and this is where the conspiracy theory on my end comes in are you guys familiar with the cicada program at all have you guys heard about that oh actually did we talk about that before joe like a long time ago did we talk about that like I don't know, like a year or so ago? Well, it was yeah. allegedly like a code breaker recruiting type of thing where they sent these codes out for just anybody to go ahead and try to crack. And allegedly, the people who were able to crack this cicada code were recruited recruited into some government organization. Uh, funny enough, that happened a couple of years before QAnon popped off. So I'm not saying anything, but. It's interesting that the Polybius is named after a Polybius square, which is one of uh, one of the ancient types of ciphers that the Greeks used, right? So the Greeks would use this sort of checkerboard code to encode certain things. It would be a series of letters just in a magic square, right? Uh, and this is, you know, no coincidence that they would name something like this uh, that was maybe potentially recruiting people or, or, or even inspiring mk ultra type uh you know phenomena well well i'm sorry mark i know no, we got right. a little bit we got a little bit of a lag here too but but you know it could have been uh see see where the uh conspiracy theory comes in 
what is what is the uh, the actual re uh, the actual reasoning for them doing this? Like, oh, because we have a couple of different angles. One, they did it for recruitment, like to recruit cryptographers, possibly code breakers, right? Or two, to just see how they could maybe form a brainwash. Well, not brainwashing people, but but to get people, uh, you know, control their actions. You know, I just the word we need is lead their behavior right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, change their behavior and somehow mm. to see if they could maybe take with these Polybius machines and put them in all kinds of arcades if they wanted to uh, get to a point where they wanted to control uh, kids in that particular age group or get kids in that particular age group okay with wanting to join the army. Because you got to remember when Polybius came out, that was right after the Vietnam War. And trying to get people to go into the army was or any of the armed forces back then was very very difficult right so this this might have been something for them to you know say well we're going to get these kids to play this they're all you know what age are kids that go in arcades you know yeah 13 13 to 20 right 13 to 20 21 whatever because once you hit 20 to 21 well now you're into the drinking game you're not playing video games which i shouldn't say that because that's a big thing drinking and playing video games but i'm talking back in the day Right. So 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 it would have so it would have made sense uh, if that was a program they were going to try to maybe uh, as a just a military recruiting apparatus. And, and, and instead of taking your abs fabs to see you know what kind of job you're going to take when you when you join the service. Well, they already know what job you're going to get because they did. They just scored you by the use of this Polybius gaming uh, gaming platform. Uh, I mean, it's it's a cool play on the government. I mean, it shouldn't surprise us at all. And I wouldn't be surprised if it does have an MK Ultra element to it. Right. Well, and and it became so much more well, obvious with like Call of Duty and all of those games that are just explicitly, you know, military. But go ahead, Ben. Oh, I was going to say uh, that, and it's just a kind of coattail off of that. That's the funny thing about the ASVAB. It's not actually scored the way that you would score a test where based on correct answers, it gives you a percentage of yes and no. You know, the way that testing used to be done. Um, mm -hmm. I recently uh, took it actually for the second time in 2014. And uh, I ended up realizing that they have like 18 factors and your scoring itself is based off of the percentage of people who have taken it within that year. So for instance, if I had taken it way back in 1992, when everything was much more analog and all this stuff, chances that I got as high of a score as I did are not as high. You would have had a whole lot more people that were geared in that era towards doing things analog, writing out their problems, this, that, and the other. But instead they give you three and a half hours to do the test. I got it done in an hour and 15 minutes. Passing is 36 and 99 is the highest. Well, the reason why 99 is the highest is because you can't get a hundred, you can't get in the hundredth percentile of people who have taken it that year. You can only be in the 99th percentile. So I got an 81. I was in the 81st percentile. But the problem is, is that it's based off of a lot of things. For instance, I had a whole lot more answers wrong because I did it in an hour and 15 minutes. But because of the amount of questions that I got right within an hour and 15 minutes completing the test, it jacked my score up the other direction. So all of those little things where you're talking about this game. Yeah, I think that that was actually if you want to get into a larger conspiracy, I think that was one of the entire reasons for arcades 
they wanted to see exactly what was going to happen because most of the ASVAB isn't actually school work. Most of it is you have an entire part of the course where it's all based on here are three random images. We're going to show you four more and you have to pick the one that most resembles to you what the first one was. And so then you look at the first one, you look at the next four and you pick it. And then it does, you know, it's algorithm to decide why or what kind of person you are that would pick that particular answer. It's not really based off of, I mean, and I'm not saying the whole test is like that. There is a lot of math, um, but they asked me about astrology. I was like, at that point, I didn't know shit about astrology. I still don't know shit about astrology, but I knew I'm way less than shit back then. Yeah. They ask you about astrology and the ASVAB. That's fucking yes. weird. They ask that you about all kinds of That doesn't of stuff. surprise me. That doesn't surprise me. Hey, Ben, what you're talking about, those those things in, in the new ASVABs, is yeah. uh, that is uh, like what some of the IQ tests that I used to have to take. Correct. It, it's, it's uh, I did, uh, the last IQ test I did was- it's an aptitude uh, test, yeah. Was a uh, hundred questions and every question was based on those types of problems yeah and at the end yeah, of that test my brain was going right that's the but, thing is uh, that some of them make sense some of them some of them are 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 like building blocks you can understand some of them so the idea is, is that they give an array of these things i think i had to answer like 75 of them and the test clips along pretty quick but the idea is that once you've answered all 75 they take what shapes this, that, and the other out of all 75 of those questions. And it gears you and tells them what kind of gearing you are based on, let's say, uh, numbers one, seven, 18 and 45. We're all a very particular kind of pattern that they threw in there. If you got all of those, right, that tells them he's geared towards this. And then it gives you line scores of, of what it is that you're supposedly good at. I look back at it now and I'm like, dude, Five years, five years later, I would have scored completely differently just from doing different things in life that I didn't know at the time that I took it. But would the other ones have depreciated? Would I have taken longer on the test? Would I have gotten a lower score because I took longer? All of those things. I think that going back to what Mark brought up is I think that a lot of the 70s and 80s when it comes to early video games are exactly that. It was all just a test for aptitude. I think if you got the astrology question correct, your score would have been lower. I will say that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, maybe they're trying to root out, root out the woo-woo cops or Exactly. Soldiers. They're like, oh, you know who the Virgo is? Boo. He free thinks way too much. No, not this guy. The military well, is looking for people who will follow orders no matter what at the drop of a hat. I won't go into that. But yeah, Ron, sorry. Well, you know, the military did have... Actually, I do know why they, they had... Sorry. Oh, oh, go ahead, Ben. He's lagging. <sighs> Sorry, okay, let me, just let me a just... horrible lag, and it's... I'll okay, be the moderator. So... Ron, you go. Okay, so you know, the, the military did have their own program when they were trying to do the remote viewing, right? So, 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 they, so they, they actually did that movie, The Men That Stare at Goats, and I actually have, when I bought that movie years ago, I got the bobblehead. And it's sitting in, on the table in my studio of the goat. But anyways, uh, that movie, even though it was supposed to be a dark comedy, was actually based partially on truth of these programs that the military did do and did set up. And that sounds like, and this was right around this time too, Mark. So 
it would be interesting to see if if this Polybius game was was built by the military based on this covert uh, program that the military did for remote viewing and uh, using the power of your mind to right. Because right. like even like uh, like uh, not just in the movie, but I read accounts where where a guy actually did go into a room and stared a goat down, and the goat died. Well, so, I'm so glad you brought that up because not only is that based on a true story, but I just was speaking with Ryan Bledsoe last oh, night, oh. and uh, he told me that according to him, some friends of his who are involved with those sorts of organizations uh, assured him that. Men and Goats movie is based on a true story. So, so there's some, yeah, take Ryan Bledsoe for, well, we'll take Ryan Bledsoe for, you know, his story is his story and you can believe him if you, if you'd like, I tend to think that I'm a good judge of character and I don't think Ryan's lying to me. Uh, But you know, the Bledsoe family has received a lot of attention from groups like NASA and other three-letter organizations that i dare not name Ooh, scary um and yeah i guess he's he's pretty confident that that actually is exactly what uh they're doing and uh and that's why they're so worried about what his father experienced but i love it 30 minutes on polybius i did not expect that i'm trying to throw the the torch on to whoever else has a story that they want to share if unless you guys have more to add on on polybius but joe jen ron ben either one of you if you guys want to take it away with what you had prepared go for it what you got ron oh go ahead joe Joe, i I didn't get i didn't really get that that email or that that list from mark so i'm just kind of uh i'm just kind of you you what? have a you have a conspiracy that you can tell us though. I mean, you're full of you're full of knowledge. You could pull something out of the memory banks for us. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of conspiracies. I mean, my head's full of them, right? So 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 my latest my latest thing that I'm actually <clears throat> interested in finding out what's going on, and I actually have my contact uh, in the UK is keeping keeping their eye out for any uh, because they happen to live not too far from windsor castle so so not that this not that this is a uh conspiracy theory but you know we've been hearing a lot of things lately about how uh you know the 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 war in ukraine is a distraction from the pfizer dump and 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 then now of course we see that pfizer is uh applying to be delisted delisted from the new york stock exchange right which i find to be completely odd and then so now so now they want to take our our uh, like our attention off of that they want to take our attention off the unraveling agenda that was the rona for the last two years that's made everybody's life nothing but a blur so the new thing is uh and i think our buddy steve over at slow news days actually presented this in in uh slow news day and he said that uh probably what what's going to be coming next is that we're going to get a report that the queen has died so so yeah. that's my so that's my newest thing that I'm looking into. So I have my contact over there uh, keeping an eye out for uh, a lot of air activity, a lot of uh, a, a unusual helicopter activity, uh, higher uh, more than normal traffic in and out of Windsor just just so we can get on get on the lead on that when we hear something that's going on. Not really a conspiracy, just something I'm working on now. Uh, and if you guys, I know you guys, uh, Joe's been listening to the show 
uh, I've been uh, diving into the whole Kazarian Empire thing, which is a ton of conspiracies tied into that. So, so I don't know if you guys want to get into anything like that. I know I don't, I don't really want to wear that subject out, but you know, I did probably another two hours of reading on it today, and it's just endless the information I, and how and how far it, 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 how it deep it goes deeper. and how far it goes. You know. Yeah, yeah, give us a, give us the footnotes, Ron. I'd love to hear, you know, at least the the touch points. I know you're planning on going deep on the subject very soon, uh, but yeah, give us a little taste of it before. Yeah, you, get you the know, full cake. so the funny thing about the whole Kazarian Empire is, is me being like a history guy. I you know have heard of it in the past, but I just never thought it was it was anything that interesting, or you know, nothing really different than reading about the Mongols or the Huns, or uh, or anything like that. But uh, but because of the thing that's going on in Ukraine, it, it came to the forefront because Ukraine was, was basically the seat of the Khazarian Empire, what is now Ukraine, or I should say what is now Eastern Ukraine, like from Kiev over, right? All the way over to the Caucasus Mountains, uh, Armenia, uh, Northern Iraq, and things like that, that whole area, right? So, uh, so I start looking into it, and then I see this term the Kazarian Mafia. And I'm like, okay, so so now I'm interested even more. And then I start reading into it and what the whole conspiracy theory is, and I'm and I'm the more that I'm reading, the more I'm thinking it's not a conspiracy, is that the what was left of the Kazarian Empire is now called the Kazarian Mafia. And they are actually the New World Order, the Cabal, the uh you know, what, whatever you want to call it, like like the Illuminati or whatever. But but uh, so I did a lot of reading about that and how uh, the Kazarians were the 13th tribe because they uh, they selected uh, Judaism as their religion. Well, they didn't select they They were given an ultimatum by the Russians, like the early the early czarist Russians uh, that they had to because because the Kazarian people were so out of control and just just off the wall that the Russians said, oh, listen, if you want us to like, basically to paraphrase, if you want us to not like wipe you all out, you need to pick a religion and you need to make your people uh, practice that religion. And he said, you have to pick one of the Abrahamic religions, which is uh, Judaism, Islam, and uh, Christianity. So, so they picked Judaism, right? So, so they're called the 13th tribe because, you know, Judaism only had the 12 tribes which only out of that 12, we only know we're two wit. So this is kind of part of the, of our series that we're doing is where's the other 10 tribes that were scattered all over the world, right? But we're not talking about that now. We're talking about the 13th tribe who is uh, now taking on the role of being Jewish. And they're not Jewish because, you know, there's Jewish and then there's Hebrew. So, so, these, so these Kazarian Jews are actually non-Semitic Jews. They're not Semites. They didn't come from uh, the bloodline of Shem, which was one of Noah's sons. Which and are Ron, your, I, which are I, your I, Semites? I cut you off, but I, I I love that you brought that up because I've said that for years. I'm like, J Jewish is not a a race. Okay, Jewish is a religion. It's it's something I could switch to Judaism tomorrow and be like, yeah, I'm a Jew, so you can't Correct. say anti-Semitic yeah. shit against me. And they pull that card all the time, and it's because they're not. Hebrew. I love that you said that. Sorry. Go on. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's the whole gist of the where this whole uh, Kazarian Empire, Kazarian Mafia thing is going, because when they were ultimately defeated by the Kievan Rus, which is which is now uh, people from Russia and Belarus, 
And even to this day, this is why Russia and Belarus are still allies, because they consider themselves brothers, like how we would with Canada, like as an example. So because, uh, you know, if somebody messed with Canada, well, we're not going to let that happen. Right. But uh, unless but they're anyway, Cuban Trudeau. Well, I'm talking like like real, like real redneck, hardcore Canadians that are just like real hardcore redneck Americans. There's no difference between they fight communist China with us. I know what yes, you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so then I'm finding out that that when the Kazarians dispersed, right, then they headed they headed west into Europe. And, and this is where European uh, European uh, Jews came from. Right. So so now the rabbit hole goes deeper because we hear the theory that Adolf Hitler was a Jew. Right. Through the Rothschild bloodline. And why is he rounding up these particular Jews and wiping them out? Right. So, the, so this is so this is the thing that I've been working on and doing a ton of reading on. But, but what we're hearing is that the Kazarian Mafia actually is the Rothschilds, uh, the uh, oh, where do we go? Just just all the Illuminati bloodline is is what's right. considered the Kazarian Mafia now. Well, and, and you when hear they a say lot that, about that thirteenth family too, that connection there, and just the fact that this topic, like you guys touched on, is like a minefield. You know, like if you if you get into Jews or anything like that, they automatically label you as a anti semite. Obviously, none of us are afraid of that. We have a very smart listener base, and none of us would take none of them would take us out of context. But I think that uh, yeah, it's it's kind of like flat Earth, where you have people that are really, really, really adamant about it, and that turns people off and unfortunately ends all open-minded conversation but i'm not afraid to get into it and here's the funny thing the whole idea of the flat earth is tied into the to some of the history of the kazarian empire when uh when they uh you know you had copernicus who who came out and said that the earth was round right so, the, so the so how the story goes, just from the quick reading I did today, that the Kazarian Empire is actually, you know, you know, the descendants of the Kazarian Empire. You know, at this point, the Jews, like the uh, the the Jewish sect that actually study Babylonian uh, Talmudism, which is actually uh, mysticism and occult and things like that. They they they're like basically admitting that in, in the text. That in all the biblical readings and inscription, that the earth is in fact a flat plane. So, in order, whatever reason, to stir up the shit with the Christians or whatever, they get they get this Copernicus guy to go out there and say, "Oh no, you gotta you gotta go and you gotta push that the earth is actually the, a globe that it's round, the the, uh, the heliocentric model." Mm. You know, I, I mean, without getting too deep into it, because I just barely started reading that part of it. Uh, well, it takes was... us it takes us back to this you know idea that i talk about a lot on my show how everything's politicized you know like mm -hmm. they've politicized even uh the way you see the world the way you see your body the way you see your neighbors they've politicized it, and this is not anything new it's something they've been doing for thousands of years especially considering what you just said ron wow yeah so so the kazarian empire is responsible for basically 
uh, everything that is ill with the world. And, and a lot of it's based on the, the uh, Babylonian Talmudism. Now, you mm. know that you have the books of the Judaic uh, religion. You have the Talmud. You have the Torah. And then you have the Kabbalah. And the Kabbalah is real mysticism and occult magic, uh, money magic, things like that, which came out of Babylon, which was adopted again by by the Jewish by the Jewish people, not necessarily the Hebrews, right? But 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 this is this is what they're using now because right in those teachings it tells you everything everything is based on its opposite. So what is supposed to be good, we're now going to make bad. What is bad, we're going to make good. And uh, I, I don't really know how far you want to get into it, but but this is all what's going on now in the world that we see, how everything is upside down. Everything is inverse. Everything is uh, just opposite of what it should be, right? And this is exactly what I'm reading from this Talmudism that goes back like 2,000 years. Like the teachings go back like like. 2500 years or almost 3000 years it's like insane uh how all this you know the worship of baal of moloch and uh it, so now i have to read the talmud and i have to buy the book that explains how to read the talmud because this is this is really uh like the like the kabbalah that is the root word for the word the cabal mm, right which the definition of cabal is a group of people that are working together to push an evil agenda. Mm. So, you know, a, a rough translation of that. But anyways, right. it's just, I got into this subject by accident. No, thank you, Ron. No, I mean, in like in my research, right. like for our, like our series that we're doing, like, like I just happened on to this and I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. So then I started doing some reading. And I, dude, I've got like 40 different web pages saved now in my bookmarks. And I'm reading and I'm reading and I'm finding I'm emailing stuff to me so I can pick it up on my computer at home so I can read about it. I'm just I'm being sucked in like I was sucked in with the Nazis. And the whole thing is it's all tied into the Nazis. <clears throat> it's tied, in with, the, it's the tied in with the Puritans. It's tied in with the Puritans, which are my ancestors. Like 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 the Kazarian Empire sent the Puritans over to the New World so we could get our shit going over here. And I mean, look what's happened. <laughs> the that's why I, said I, had a, system, I have a hard you know? time focusing is because everything connects to everything else and it's like do you want to focus on this one little area because there's so many nodes that branch out from there and then you get going and then it's been three hours so oh yeah so like like when i go to work like i'm supposed to work right but <laughs> but i go to work and i hang out and i have two offices at my at my shop i got one downstairs i call it my uh you know, my office for the people. And then I got my office upstairs, which is actually the studio now where I go up to hide. Right. So, so I'm in there and, and the first thing I do, I go in, you know, I get my coffee, I'll have a smoke and then I'll, you know, check my shop emails and I'll do this and see what I got to, you know, what insurance company I got to chase down because the cheap pricks haven't paid me yet and, and, and doing this and doing that. And then answer all my, answer all my phone messages or emails or whatever. That usually takes like a half hour, 45 minutes. And then, uh, and then I'll slowly go over here and I'll start typing. Oh, let me just check this out just real quick. I got like 10 minutes. And then I start reading this article and then I pick up this thing that's like 70 pages. So I'll start reading. I'll get to like 20 or 30 pages. I can read pretty fast. And I'm like, man, I'm already getting lost. I better stop there. And then I see this other link and I'm like, oh, what is that? 
So when they say going down the rabbit hole, that's exactly what you're doing, right? Metaphorically, you're going down the rabbit hole and it's like insane. And this whole Kazarian thing, it just blows my mind. And, and I hope when I present it out to the people, it will in turn blow their minds because it's all of world history of the cabal and everything bad and everybody that's working against us working sniffs like it's all there in black and white it's 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 something that i have the ability to decipher and put it into terms and talk about so that people can understand it i'm very excited to do that and well, we're you're grateful that you can yeah i'm thankful for people like you who can actually uh articulate things to people because i'll go down the rabbit hole for eight hours straight at work listening to, to a show or a book or whatever and then i go to explain it to jen at night and and she's like oh, what did you learn and i'm like gaga, blah, blah. and that's it <laughs> well you gotta listen to it yourself i guess because i don't know i you feel know, the same way sometimes oh man i love that <laughs> figuring out how you're going to present it is 90 percent of the battle like you could take 10% of the information, 90% of that is how you're going to be able to tell it to the listeners. And I, and I think I'm getting that down pat. Uh, I mean, I don't know how you, uh, uh, Joe, you listened to the first Kazarian episode, right? Not this, yeah. not the oh, new yeah. episode, but the one before. Yeah. So, so I think I just, I laid out, I just kind of scratched the surface there a little bit, but to, it's just a super amazing subject to me. Agreed. Yeah, I love yeah, you guys it. Are doing great. Sean and uh Buckley tagging along. Like you guys are doing a great job. It's awesome. Well, Thank Joe, you. Jen, Ben, who wants to follow that? That was quite a big conspiracy Ron just laid out for us. Flat Earth, Jews. I mean, you really didn't leave anything out. So <laughs> Jen, Ben, Joe. Ben, did you want to do yours? You can start if you want. I got a pee, but I can start too. Are you muted? <clears throat> well, I was gonna say the only one, the only one that I brought to the table was the uh, moon landing, and I think all of us have talked to our audiences at nauseum uh, about that. There's not any new evidence, but it was it's it is my favorite one. It's still a good one, though, because Ben. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. It's, it's a super up. interesting one, Ben. Super interesting. Okay, fine. Sure. Yeah, it was nice. Hey, listen, before you get no, into uh, it, no, we want to hear why. <laughs> think it's fake we fuck everything else just break down your like train of thinking i don't know how to say that just say stuff okay where did you so, come to this conclusion gotta take off my hat for this all right so oh, uh serious. yeah uh okay so basically years and years ago there was a dateline that they put out and i think it was in a uh, 2001 uh yeah, over 20 years ago, where they actually brought this conspiracy theory. Now, there's a whole other line of thought to the fact that if they put it on Dateline, therefore it could be controlled opposition. But this was also, in my opinion, an honest research because of what they actually brought to the table um, in the way of argument. But the idea is, is that there are too many inconsistencies based on the video footage on the transcripts and everything else that don't add up one the way that they use or the cameras that they use the cameras that they used were undeniably set cameras you could tell by the crosshairs for markers which is what they used at least at the time of the moon landing uh, for being able to figure out where they were at on set and where they should have the camera 
but they tried to hide it. That was the thing is that where they put the crosshairs was right on like lines and things of that nature within the pictures of the moon. Um, so that was a small one that I remember hearing about and thinking, okay, well, what kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, um, supported that was the idea that it, all of the um, jumping that you see them, if you speed it up, because they had this technology back then, if you speed it up times two, meaning that they slowed it down by two or in half, it's just a guy running in the sand in a big, oversized, funny looking suit. Now, the other thing was, is the shadows. The shadows for the lighting looked like a set, multiple directions. And of course, there has been counter theories. Well, you're closer to this, that, and the other. But where they were supposed supposedly at when these pictures were taken was the dark side of the moon. Yet there's light. And the problem that you have is in these pictures, the rocks themselves, not like big things or anything like that, but the rocks themselves are actually casting shadows across each other from two different light sources. Another one that people brought up is why in the hell is the flag waving if there's no gravity? That one okay. was easier to, to uh, debunk, though, Ben, because well, I know because there's wind. the mainstream. No, because they said there is a uh, a straight pole attached to the other end of the flag to keep it upright, knowing that it, there is zero gravity. That's uh, but they say the reason it was moving is because of the pole moving or some shit. It's can I, yeah. I believe what you want. Can I Go add ahead. to this? Because I, I, Ben, I love that you brought this up because I just watched Jay Widener's uh, Stanley Kubrick film breakdown, and he basically poses the theory that Stanley Kubrick was basically given this sweetheart deal after uh, he put out Dr. Strangelove because the government was like, listen, we can't have you making movies, making fun of our generals in the nuclear war. So if you don't, if you don't do this, like, will kill you right sort of thing and he was like all right i won't i won't say a thing about helping you guys fake the moon landing uh if you give me an unlimited budget to make 2001 a space odyssey and if you look at 2001 a space odyssey you'll see that they use this type of screen projection where they would you know have this sort of glass fabric sheet that would be in the background and they are able to project the image of you know a desert on the background for this 2001 a space odyssey for that beginning scene where they the monkeys are all you know jumping around and whatnot and jay widener shows how just like in the movie 2001 space odyssey the moon landing footage you never see the background the background is always obscured the straight line is always obscured because what you have there is that piece of fabric that's getting a projection onto it from another angle right and you can kind of see like oh wow this is a set right and richard hoagland has pointed out the weird like why is the sky not black they're in space and when we shine a light and edit the video this way you see that there seems to be like a flat surface with all of these like shiny weird light anomalies on it right because of the screen but Richard Hoagland seems to think that means there are glass cities on the moon. So I don't know what that says about Richard Hoagland, but Jay Widener paints a pretty uh, brilliant picture in this little film. And then he shows how the movie The Shining is uh, basically a metaphor for Stanley Kubrick trying to uh, fake this moon landing. And I'm sure people have seen that online there you could look that conspiracy theory up you can even hear jay widener probably talk about it on 
several podcasts, but it was absolutely fascinating to see the 2001 Space Odyssey footage next to the moon landing footage. And what's interesting is Jay Widener's theory isn't that they didn't go to the moon. He just says that they faked the footage in order to get it in front of the Russians and give the appearance that we are ahead of the space war. So Jay Widener's not quite like the anti-space approach to the fake moon landing footage, which is interesting because it's it's been taken on from so many different angles. But Ben, great, great point. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, you know, I'd like to just add something to that. Like, like Ben, like, like I want to believe big time that we went to the moon. Now, in 1969, I was, what was I, six years old? You know, six, maybe going on seven. And I was all, I was all about the moon. I had the, the moon landing curtains, the moon landing sheets, the moon landing pillowcases. I mean, I was absolutely into it right and and of course you know when you're young and and, you know technology being what it was back then on television i mean i think it would be real easy to fake it like back then especially when you had i mean you didn't have high resolution cameras you didn't have any of that stuff or any technology any anything remotely close to what we have right so you wanted to believe that and of course that was like you say dealing with uh, the russians and you know, being all upset because they had Sputnik up there before we did, you know, the satellite. <clears throat> but when you think back on it now, you know, thinking like what a clearer mind and a, and, a, and, a, and a lot more years under your belt and understanding that there are things as conspiracies. And we do know that there's things that the government can, will and did do that uh, other people would just never agree with, hence the conspiracy theory. And when you start looking at the whole moon landing thing, you're like, like, like the moon rover. How the hell did they get that thing up there? You, you know, if, if, the, if the lunar landing module was that size, I mean, was this thing just modular and they just got out and they clicked it all together? Was it strapped to the side? <laughs> and, then they, and then they drove it around up there. I mean, this thing had to weigh, it had to weigh a thousand pounds. I mean, unless it was made well, out of some space age you know, material and it only weighed, you know, a couple hundred pounds or something. But I mean that, and then you see them taking off, like when they take off in, in the, the landing module and the, and the bottom piece stays there and the top piece just shoots off, like it just shoots off and ends up landing exactly uh, not too far from Cape Canaveral. <clears throat> so no one had ever seen this before though. No one had ever seen anything like this. It wasn't really in the movies at all. It wasn't definitely, I mean, video wasn't even a really big deal then. So no one had ever seen anything like this. So of course they're going to look at it and say, oh, this is what this must look like, you know? Yeah. And also well, the United States was trying to be the best. Russia's awful. And they were in this space race. I hate to bring it back to like the COVID thing, but it's similar to now where this is what they did then. And now the propaganda is the same. They're like, oh, we're going to make a vaccine for a virus that doesn't we don't have a cure for we never have super fast so it's kind of a similar thing you know the thing is too jen jen back then nobody questioned what they saw on television Hmm. because television television at that point was a new thing 
Well, speaking of which, I just saw just tonight on Jeopardy, they had a category called vaccines and all the questions were phrased like this uh, vaccine. This vaccine protects you from this. This vaccine protects you from this. And they were literally trying to name, you know, the diseases. But, ah, yeah, I, you know, I don't want to go too far into that, but it's absolutely sickening to see how people take that for granted and they really just don't think twice i mean i have to stand in front of the tv sometimes and be like to my grandma mame they're lying this is a lie you know just forget it and she still she doesn't care she's just like oh, okay whatever <laughs> you know but yeah man it's it's ridiculous what they've done with well, that sorry no go ahead oh i uh some of the more nuanced things like those minor details that they brought up of the speed, this, that, and the other, um, some of the things that I'm not sure if it can be confirmed or not, but there was an article that I read one time that they had recently, NASA had recently partnered with Disney right before that. Now you also have just standard human behavior to back this up. So I always look at all the evidence that the, the, uh, I guess you could say um, inanimate object uh, evidence. So uh, things like when the thing takes off to go back to Earth, there's a camera panning on it while it goes up. Okay, first of all, how in the world were who was doing it? Okay, so that's the first question. It's like, okay, well, maybe it was, uh, you know, remote controlled by them while they were lifting up. That can easily be taken away. But what can't be? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, remote, that, that that's that's a whole different thing and that, that they did have at that point. But what can't be is live streaming it. You can barely do that across the world. We're doing it right now and there's lag. How in the world were they live streaming it a back rocket. to Earth? Yeah. <laughs> on top of it being remote controlled. I don't think that that's possible. So you have those you have those kind of things. But on top of that, if Disney had partnered with them, the ability to make it at along with the studio cameras and everything else that you're talking about, um, that doesn't make sense. Now, their reason is that they no longer have the technology. My idea, they definitely either one did have the technology and still do coming out of Roswell and everything else that now we know about because it's been declassified um, is I'm like either one, they always had it and they still do. But the biggest question human behaviorally that I look at is why have we not gone back then? Because if we could go there in 1960 fucking nine with virtually no kind of electronic hardware in comparison to what we have now, how in the world did we get, you know, supposedly get up there? Now, the other thing to look at human behavior really is the idea that what was it Apollo 11 that made that supposedly made it up there yeah Apollo 11 yes okay so the other Apollos that tried including I believe it was Apollo 6 or Apollo 7 it blew up on the launch pad well this Dateline episode also brought out the fact that multiple people in it were supposedly creating lawsuits against NASA and we're going to expose them. One of them died in his car on a train track because he got hit by a train. The other guy uh, committed suicide, supposedly. All of these things, uh, or sorry, the attorney to the astronauts that died on the launch pad was going to continue on with the case 
he died on the train tracks. And then yet another attorney that was going to be going with him, he supposedly killed himself. Um, I'm like, okay, so for 10 Apollos, you couldn't even get off the fucking launch pad. And then all of a sudden, the 11th one, everything when it's go time just lines up perfect. And you guys not only get to the moon, but you guys come back. I don't buy it's any of that shit. It was the 11th one. That's why, obviously, <laughs> it, it went seamlessly from start to finish to start to finish on the way back. Everything went great, including the camera pan. Everything was great. It was like a Hollywood movie almost, you could say. You know the the point in uh, The Shining that really gives a, away maybe some details on this whole thing is, you guys remember the famous scene, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, right? And that that's all over the paper and the, the girl finds and she's horrified. She's like, oh my God, this is all he's been writing all day. But if you look at that word all, the way the typewriter spelled it out, it almost looks like A11, A11. And not only that, the, you know, the Danny, the boy, his son in the movie at one point is wearing an Apollo 11 shirt uh, playing with some cars on a weird shaped carpet that almost looks like a launch pad and, you know, gets up, goes into room 237, which the moon is apparently 237 miles from the earth. And on the key that's like opening the door, this like little tag, it says the word room N. And if you flip that around, you can get the word moon uh, from that. So it's very interesting huh. that, you know, these little subliminal clues were in the the film the shining which stanley made sometime after all of that and uh, apparently the rumor is he was very exhausted from having to do all this work for nasa and lie to his wife and and all this stuff so you kind of see that dynamic between the main characters in the shining as well so i i obviously don't know all the symbolism off the top of my head but i definitely recommend people check out that film so mark there is a whole laundry list of conspiracy mm. theories tied into not the story the shining because the shining is a stephen king story right but tied into the actual movie because right. kubrick obviously directed that movie and like you say the room 237 the key uh the carpet other symbolism the maze, all these other things is all tied into the fake moon landing. Right. When you when you start looking at these conspiracy, yeah, I started looking into that a few years ago, and I don't know why I got uh, kind of sidetracked on it. But while while we're on a subject of Kubrick, like what set Stanley Kubrick apart from everybody else, right? What was the last movie that he did? Uh, eyes wide uh, shut, right? Yeah, eyes, eyes wide shut. Eyes wide shut before he passed away. There was a conspiracy theory that he was told by the cabal. I like to say cabal. It just sounds cool. He was told by the cabal, do not do this film. Right. Do not release this film. And if you do, you're going to be dead. I don't right. know if you guys have ever heard that. Oh, no, yeah, and they mentioned that in the Jay Widener movie I was referencing, and apparently there are scenes that did not make it to the final cut, and uh, he died four days after that meeting or something like that. So, yeah, it was or, or four days after the film was released, uh, okay, something and, and, to that effect. What was the premise of the whole movie of Eyes Wide Shut? It was about the Illuminati. It was about sex cults, sex magic, 
It was about uh, pedophilia because there was the scene with the young girl that was at the uh, costume shop, right? Which I think is uh, Lily Sobieski, uh, the actress uh, that played that part. And uh, so there was a lot of symbolism in that movie. Okay, just, you know, I mean, when you look at Eyes Wide Shot, I thought it was a really good movie. You know, I'm, I'm a Tom Cruise fan. I know he's a Scientologist or whatever. And I'm definitely a Nicole Kidman fan. But what is Nicole Kidman known for? Her dad is involved in some type of cabal, cabalist role and that has to do with pedophilia and uh, sex trafficking out of Australia. I mean, if people want to look into that, that conspiracy theory, right? So, so why is Nicole Kidman hooked up with Tom Cruise, who was this another actor that just blew up on the scene, came from nowhere? Right. Was in uh, I think one of his first movies was The Outsiders, which was with all the youngsters. Uh, it was uh, Tom Cruise, Emilio Estevez. I believe Charlie Sheen was in that. Patrick Swayze was in that. Ralph Macchio, Thomas C. Howell. All these people like like the early like the beginning of another Brat Pack all was in that, that movie, The Outsiders. And they all went off to do great things. Mm. Right. So, so, but then Tom Cruise comes out and then we find out, you know, he's, he's into the Hollywood thing. And like, when you want to talk about Hollywood occultism, right? All you, all these major Hollywood styles are part of Scientology, which is a cult, which is a cult. Right. Right. And you talk about all this like MK ultra stuff, connecting it all like Joe likes to do. And I, maybe I should leave that to you, Joe, when we end after we hear Jen's conspiracy, but, um, yeah, I think there's definitely a, a case to be made that a lot of these actors have gone through that type of programming uh, themselves just to get to that high pedigree of uh, of acting prowess. But awesome stuff, Ben. Jen, what do you think? Pressure's on. What's your story? Well, I don't really have a great story. I don't think you'll like it. And I'm not a monologist like, like Ron. everyone else. Oh. <laughs> so... But I do want to hear everyone's thoughts. It's not really a big deal. But my favorite conspiracy theory, theory, I guess, ever since I was little is that the pyramids all over the world were built by some sort of um, a different race. It could be aliens. It could be higher beings or maybe like a, a different form of human, whatever. But they were definitely built by something else. There's too much. Too much weirdness involved with all of the way they face magnetic north, which they had no way to determine when they were built. Each block weighed like two tons and they had nothing that we know of that could possibly hold any weight like that. Unless you guys have heard something like that. I don't know. And the the three pyramids of Giza match up exactly with Orion's belt. There's just a lot of really weird shit going on with it. So. I don't know. Yeah, just the sheer logistics of of building that kind of Uh, thing. Oh, and then hieroglyphics. They look like helicopters, spaceships. There are um, inserts inside of the pyramids that look exactly like light bulbs, but they're removed. There's no light bulbs there or anything like that. But it looks like they powered something or I don't know. I think it's super cool, though. I want to hear everyone's thoughts on that. So why Absolutely. do you think that that was not a good one, Jen? That is yeah, awesome. that's yeah. We can spend two so, hours talking about just that. So so I'll just go real quick, so then everybody else can jump in. But not only are the pyramids at Giza aligned with Orion, the Mayan pyramids in Teotihuacan 
just outside of Mexico City, same exact configuration. Oh, right. weird. Yes. Right. Yeah. I, I love it. And on the point of the hieroglyphs, I've even seen, I think it's in Indonesia or somewhere in Southeast Asia where they have dinosaur hieroglyphs where it looks like uh, stegosauruses and, and even bronchosaurus that are, are in, you know, engraved into this stone in a, in a temple that was only discovered a couple hundred years ago, I believe, maybe even more recently than that. But yeah. Is that Anchor, uh, Anchor Wat, I think is the one you're right. talking about. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I want to say there was some similar hieroglyphics at Golbeki Tepli. Is that how you pronounce that? Mm, yeah, Globeki Tepi has animals yeah, yeah. on it that are undiscovered by science. They don't resemble anything that we know in like traditional zoology. Yes, but Angkor Wat is in Cambodia. I want to say it's in Cambodia. And that is where they had the uh, the Stegosaurus. I'm not 100% sure on that, but pretty sure that's where it was. Okay, so 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 that's a whole other conspiracy theory where where was there humans at the same time there was dinosaurs mm. but the thing with how the pyramids is is, how yeah. old is yeah. our society how old is the actual planet where i mean it seems like they're trying to tell us dinosaurs were here a very long time ago the earth is this many billions of years old and dinosaurs were here these are all the eras we have but it could have been 2000 years ago and we just have no idea because we have no idea it could have been right? less than that too. Yeah. i i was going to go into not i'm not starting my shit right now but i was going to go into like basically uh you know, manipulated history and that feeds right into that where i'm mm. like i don't know what to believe past like 50 years ago let alone 200 or 2000 so well, and I mean, we can go into that more but more onto the pyramids of it. <laughs> yeah no, definitely not. dive into the pyramids that's I a was... great subject I was going to say what's interesting about the dating, I just watched a documentary that Freddie Silva put together. And what I noticed is they're using constellations and the basically um, predicting where those constellations would have been in the sky in order to align with that structure and then using that as a judgment for possibly how long ago these things were built because obviously you can't carbon date stone you really you know can only guess how old these things are based on the weathering and things like that but it's pretty obvious that they're at least uh they at least existed before this flood that's been recorded and you know that brings to mind those fantastic places that have been manipulated out of our history like joe pointed out like atlantis and moo and even more recently people have been really excited about tartaria even though that's not typically considered an island but yeah atlantis and and moo are, are fascinating especially when you look at all of the submerged megaliths that are in the caribbean and the pacific and you know i'm sure in the indian ocean and all over the place off the coast of Japan too, right? Yeah, right. And, and submerged pyramids, and then submerged, then pyramids that haven't even been like uh, uncovered in Bosnia. You know, just as another example, now they're saying they found pyramids in the United States. Mm. So Georgia, so, uh, yeah, w which goes to what you were talking about with your live stream yesterday, was how the parallels between egypt and places in the united states right right yeah so, yeah so it's a similar thing and then we hear the story 
of how they found the Egyptian artifacts in a cave in, in uh, Grand Canyon, right? So the whole pyramids thing, you know, really, Jen, the whole pyramid thing is probably like the single biggest mystery in the history of the world because it's it's not a conspiracy theory like, oh, did these pyramids exist? No, the pyramids are there. Like these pyramids are there. We can physically go there. We can touch them. We can look at them. We can measure them. We can do all kinds of things. And then the weird thing is how the the, the uh, pyramids at the Temple of Giza, I mean, excuse me, the pyramids of Giza are actually eight-sided pyramids. They're not four-sided pyramids. When you see them from the air, the sides come in. So the sides come in. Uh, it's weird. You would have to you would have to look it up. Uh, but if you look at the aerial views, there. It's not a simple, it's not a simple cube slash triangle or a pyramid or whatever you want to say. But on the flats where it goes, there's actually they're angled in on a straight line that goes from top to bottom too. It's pretty amazing when you look into it. And I'm sorry, slaves didn't build those things. They they <laughs> they used advanced technology. They used adv advanced people to have advanced mathematics in, in the extensive knowledge of, of uh, astrology to do this. Right. I get a lot of construction workers that listen to the show that reach out, and that's one of their favorite topics because as, you know, people who work in that field, they understand firsthand how, you know, magnificent these builds are and, and how intense it would have been to pull it off. You can't just do it with a group of people with sheer manpower i mean trying to lead a group of people more than five is hard enough you know so it's hence hey, why we have this nice little dynamic here of just the five of us hey joe can you can you look up the eight-sided part of the pyramids of giza you should be able to find a graphic eight-sided pyramids of giza Let's see what comes up I don't know. I've never heard of that, dude. I... Yeah, oh, from the air. Oh, okay. I found one. Yeah. Apparently, you can you can see the equinox tracked through the the way it's eight sided. I think even some pyramids in Mexico do the same thing, but it looks like a snake because they're not as deteriorated. But oh wow, it almost looks like an iron cross, Ron. Is this what you're talking about, Ron? Yes. Wow. Now, wow. so when you when you look at it from the ground, you can't see that. Only huh. from the air can you see that. Almost like, like a shamrock. Or those, or those, you know, those things you made as a kid with like, you, you do the four <laughs> sides of the paper like and pick write a stuff number. on it. To answer the question, yeah, pick a number. Oh, do you like me, Jen? Oh, oh no, you like Joe. <laughs> uh, no, no. <laughs> but but uh, in, in Mark, you, you're talking about the, uh, uh, the Castillo de Dios. Uh, is that what it is? At uh, Chichen Itza, the uh, mm. the cat, the, the uh, it's it's called El, El Castillo, okay. which means castle, uh, and that is the main temple at Chichen Itza, which I have seen in person. Oh wow! And that is and that is the one is on the equinox, the stairs that go up it. Now they do not; they no longer let people climb them stairs because people are jerks, and they would go up there and they would write on things and car. Come on, you know, stop doing that shit. So they have it all fenced off now, so you can't, but you can get right up to it. But when that equinox hits the side of the stairs, 
at the bottom of the stairs, there was a there was a head of a snake, a snake head at the bottom of them stairs. There's actually two of them. On the equinox, the way that the sun hits it, it looks like the snake is coming down the stairs. Now, I wasn't there on the equinox. I mean, it was hotter than a bitch when I was there. It was probably 110 degrees, I swear, uh, because it's in the jungle, you know. Uh, the Mayan jungle is flat. It's flat, low jungle. It's 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 just flat. It's there's no hills or mountains or anything there. But uh, but and I didn't get to see this deal in person. But I have seen videos of it, and I did a lot of research on it. And it's it, it what kind of astronomical freaking mastermind genius thousands of years ago figured that out? Like they had help. There's no question in my mind, and they had help. And when you see the stonework, and and that's not the only temple that's there. Then you have the other temple where they did the, that had the sacrificial uh, altar on it, and then they had the ball fields for that ball game that they played. That mm. when the losers lost, they they got killed. Like right. it was a it was a game you played to the death. <laughs> yep. But but yeah, Thanks but it's amazing. Know. But now so now you know about the eight the eight sided pyramid. Right on. Uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's a new cool. one. Yeah. I've never seen that before. Yeah. That's where I was uh, kind of where I was going initially when I was trying to figure out what to bring to this show. I was like, history is a lie. And I'm pretty sure it is. But to try to focus in on one area, like Ben loves this stuff too. the summit of 18, whatever. I don't remember the dates. Remember I'm broad, broad spectrum here on the spectrum too, probably. But, uh, so 1890 that that, 1890 yeah so to think that these people that built the pyramids were just dumb and they had help from outside maybe or maybe they were just so far advanced and then there was a reset and that gets into the mud flood and everything else and then here we are with a new narrative and it seems like we're coming up on another great reset if you listen to klaus schwab i don't know how long our cycles are but i think it's pretty undeniable that there is cycles to everything in the world including what happens every couple hundred years and I, nobody's around nobody lives that long to be able to say exactly what happened 200 years ago we have writings we have you know the the history of the victors that won and did everything and redid the narrative like it's hard to even know so how many cycles have we gone through after the pyramids there could have been crazy yeah, I mean, think about the technology in the last 200 years. It's insane what we've gone through in the last 200 years. We went from apparently horse and cart to iPhones and quantum computers in 200 years. That's ridiculous. So the cycles don't seem to be that long. Or we just really got some help from aliens. Who knows? So that's why I was trying. I was having a hard time focusing on one area of what I wanted to talk about because it's so vast. You know what I mean? Like, Mark, what do you think about that? Well, I definitely think that the victor rewrites history as they conquer, and there's so much that's left behind too that they just don't even put into the average school book for good reason and for bad reason more often than not, i think bad reason so yeah man i'm with you i'm not quite the the broad spectrum guy when it comes to history topics either because it is a lot to keep track of but my favorite stuff obviously or you know um is the more personal stuff specifically like the new england history and and all of the things that i've learned recently about the Native Americans' presence here, pre-colonial days, and how a lot of these stone sort of fences and stone walls that are all over the place 
maybe were built by them in a lot of cases and not as we're told by the farmers who came here from Europe. So I found that really interesting as Jen probably knows being from new England, you, you, you can't help but notice them. They're all over the place. You know, some probably TV shows and movies that take place in new England might feature them, but yeah, it's just, you know, considering the interest in megaliths, I'm like, well, I know there's one or two megaliths here in new England. What else is there that, people don't talk about i mean one that is really crazy is this thing called the dighton rock that has possibly like runes written into it that were made maybe by templars or by like celtic sailors and stuff so there's even you know just hidden history that you can figure out in your own backyard you know you don't necessarily even have to go on the internet that does help but i find that like the first stop is always Wikipedia for me because that's like the official narrative, you know? And then when you find things that don't corroborate with that, it really makes you scratch your head, you know? Oh, yeah. Now, Wikipedia is a, a great first stop to be able to be like, oh, this is what's not true. Okay. <laughs> well, in a lot of cases that with the more obscure stuff, you can find a lot of truth. You just have to know how to sift through the bias. And it's not all that hard. If you're listening to a show like Legit Bad or Wicked Planet or My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, you most likely have a, a sharp intuition for this kind of stuff. Yeah. No, I totally get it. That's like how I read IMDb reviews. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, I can tell this person, watch this movie, and they actually really wanted to like it, but they just didn't. And here's why. But when someone just goes in being a bitch, it's like, oh, okay, this person just wanted to try a shitty review. <laughs> That's how people write Wikipedia. I hear that. Yeah, there's definitely uh, when you have your own Wikipedia page, not that I do, but I, I'm sure there's like a an impulse to go and correct it and edit it, you know, like especially someone like, I don't know, Charlie Sheen or somebody, you know, you want to go and rewrite whatever's in there. He's like, I don't have a four inch cock. It's five. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. Ron left. I think he said he had to go take a pit stop. He didn't say he was he oh. was done, but I figured we would wrap it up soon anyways since Joe shared his theory and you know, unless uh unless anybody else has any final thoughts, um hoping Ron no, comes yeah. back so we could say goodbye, but <laughs> No, that was about it. I was going to say some stuff about Bitcoin, but that's not really an event from history. It's just my own thoughts on the whole mm. crypto thing. Conspiracy but... on how the government just took control of of uh crypto i mean if you look it up on wikipedia like the whole bitcoin specifically thing is sketch it's like it's uh it's created from this guy named satoshi and nobody really knows who that is but it's it all of a sudden gained all this traction and i don't i'm sketched out about it I don't have know. you seen in the news lately they're talking about how um, Biden just signed some executive order where the government will have some oversight over crypto which is being used so much now ever since this happened so they're mm. putting that out there so that people say oh i need to go buy crypto because everyone's doing it i want to be on the forefront of this yeah it was more more it's current eventsy type shit and I, we don't need it no, we've got I, I hear that i i think it's i think it's interesting how like post world war ii and japan getting defeated all of this tech innovation just suddenly comes out of that country and you know this satoshi guy i'm assuming is japanese based on his name i could be wrong 
but Racist. you know yeah I, I mean like you know outside of trying you know not trying to sound like a xenophobe or anything but it does seem like after world war ii japan had some sort of imperative to help the united states military create a lot of the technology that we see now i mean people take for granted how much innovation happens over there too but yeah i don't know that is an interesting myth about this satoshi nakamoto guy yeah i'm back yeah, can you guys hear me okay yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. We're just about to wrap it up, Ron. We figured, you know, everybody shared their campfire story. I think this was a great conspiratorial alphabet soup of ideas and uh, sort of fun hodgepodge with uh, the Hodgdens. So I appreciate you guys joining me for this. And Ron, of course, it's always great to talk to you. I think this was also a great uh, sort of, um, you know, generational not to age you out ron but i'm kind of the young gun and then we got sort of in the middle with legit bat and then we got wicked planet so it was good to get all perspectives here at the campfire conspiracy chat so if everybody wants to just share their final thoughts and plug their show we could wrap it up people know me from my family thinks i'm crazy just go to the dot com and check out everything i got going on Okay, okay, I'll go. Well, uh, you can find me on the Wicked Planet podcast. And yes, in our podcast circle, and out of like every podcast that I listen to or, or all our friends, like I am the oldest guy. We've made that clear. We've talked about that on multiple times. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but, but what, you know, I'm totally fine with that. You know, I'm just an old guy that's in the game still. I mean, I'm still here, right? And I'm keeping up with you youngsters or doing my best to keep up with you. Uh, but the one thing about the Wicked Planet is that my co host Buckley, is he's only like 30 or 31 years old. So, so you know, you got me that's like almost twice as old as that. So I have all the knowledge that I've, that I've brought my whole life and just my perspective on things and considering myself to be relatively old school because I grew up pre-technology. Like when I was a kid, we had no technology. We had rotary phones. We had TVs with three channels with an antenna that was on your house, you know? We had AM radios. Like, I remember when we got FM radio, that was like a big deal. Like, a big thing for us was we would listen to shortwave radio on the weekends. You know, you could pick up a show, you know, from who knows where. You know, that was the kind of technology that we had when I was a kid. My mom used to still play her Victrola when I was a kid. And that's and that's the old stand-up record player that you had to crank. And then you, <laughs> you put out this big thing, and that was the speaker. You know what I mean? So I have seen the evolution of technology uh, go from to, from nothing to what it is today. So so but I think on my show, which makes it works good, is the, the dynamic because I am older and, and Buckley is younger and, and, and he's very intelligent, but he's not like like you can't be a young wise man. There's no such thing as a young wise man. you got to be old to be a wise man. Right. So I th I think that's what kind of sets our show apart. You could be a young wise ass. I've been called that plenty of well, times. Well, Buckley, <laughs> Buckley's definitely that. Hey, listen, I get a lot of hate mail about Buckley, but uh, and I read them to him too. But I always do it after the show, you know, because I don't want him to be in a I don't want him to be in a pissy mood dur during the show. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> but uh, but it's a really good dynamic. It works off good with us and uh, anybody that's uh, watching this on Rockfin. Uh, I hope to someday get our show on Rockfin. We're actually uh, working towards uh, at least going, learning to do the video podcasting and doing the live streaming and the streaming and, and all that other stuff. And once I get that mastered, 
then maybe I'll apply and talk to somebody about getting a channel on Rockfin. But that is definitely something that I, that's one of our goals at the show. We're coming up on our year anniversary. We're going to have our one-year anniversary show on Wednesday, March 30th. Uh, I just want to shout out to the people that are listening here that listen to the Wicked, uh, Wicked Planet. We super appreciate that. But what we want you to do for the anniversary show is that everybody's got two weeks' notice. Send us questions, send us anything like that, because the show is going to be dedicated to the listeners. So we're going to interact with the listeners, uh, answer their questions. And, uh, you know, really nothing's off the table. I mean, you know, if there's some questions that are off color that I think are inappropriate, well, I won't address those. But but anyways, I think it'll be a good time. But, yeah, come follow me on Instagram. I'm Ron from New England and uh, the Wicked Planet podcast. You'll notice uh I uh, like to shoot a lot of memes out there. I like to keep it lighthearted. I like to keep it funny. And I just like to really show the idiocracy and hypocrisy that's out there in the world. And that's basically what my pages do. So so thanks for having me on. I always enjoy getting together with all you guys, obviously. Uh, my very beginnings when I was just cutting my teeth, I spent a lot of time with Joe, Jen, and Ben. So, uh, so it was really cool that uh, you guys uh, took me into your podcasting family, and I, and I, and we I appreciate you, Ron. that. Hey, thank you. You're our very own podfather. <laughs> hey, there you go. That's a good one. I think I'll use that one. Actually, sorry, it's podfather. You're a Pod- podfather. You're saying it wrong. Podfather. Hey, like in <laughs> the telegram, the telegram chat, Joe, when you were busting my balls, you was you said <laughs> Crimea, and you put the R on the end of it. Uh, <laughs> So, so just, uh, I understand you guys love busting my nuts about my accent. Uh, I, I don't hear it. Obviously, this is how I talk. But, I, but a lot of the <laughs> listeners are really into it. I actually got a, uh, I got a rating on Apple Podcasts with some chick uh, went in there and said that I had a very sexy voice. So I don't know where, <laughs> I don't know where she's from. Oh shit! But, but, but I'm gonna go with it. But. But yeah, so, so what we do. I'm just gonna go with Boston. Yeah, so what we do is we take the R's, we take the R's out of the middle of the word where they belong, and we put them on the end. We replace <laughs> our R's in the middle with an A. We and if and if the word's supposed to have an R on the end, well, we get rid of that and we put the A over there. So we do a lot of uh, what do you call that? Yeah, yeah. Word uh, magic. Doing whatever yeah. the fuck you want to do, and I respect. I have that. actually tried yeah. to explain this to Joe so many times. I was like, I could be a translator for someone who's from Boston because I know exactly what they're saying, even if it sounds completely unintelligible. But I also don't have a Boston accent, so it seems weird. <laughs> no, you well, don't. You totally don't. But and as in the words of the famous Tom Segura, those shady fucks up in the Northeast. Uh, the one good thing about them is that you can go, hey, you know what? You're a real asshole. And they'll go, yeah, thanks. My, my, my grandfather was an asshole. My dad was an asshole. And I'm an asshole. So I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like a badge of honor for us up here. When people talk about people from New England, oh, those guys are jerks. They're you No, know, it's just, man, we don't have time for your bullshit. Like, <laughs> like, like that, that's, that's basically all it comes down to. It's like, okay, what you're saying makes no sense. Shut the fuck up. I don't want to listen to what you have to say. You're, you're fucking stupid. See, uh, see, people, <laughs> people get surprised because I have this nice, smooth, groovy voice on the mic. And then in the YouTube comments, my New England attitude comes out and people are like, Mark, Mark, chill out, man. Chill out. <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm a New Englander, okay. too. <laughs> I live in Massachusetts, though. I live in California and people are surprised. They're like, oh, I thought you were nice. I'm like, no, I am. I am. I am. I just was born in Massachusetts. Like, I can't help it. 
just when I get mad, I say the meanest, most hurtful thing possible to shut you down as quickly as possible because I'm on a fucking time schedule, bitch. Stop talking. See, I'm about way it. too nice to people online, even the trolls. I'll like give them a chance. I'll give them like two responses and then they're just blocked. I'm <laughs> but I'll be I nice. Know, I'll so be nice. Yeah, but first. you know what? You know what it is? So it's perfectly normal here. Like, uh, give an example, like a customer will call me and they'll start telling me this whole freaking diatribe about what's going on with their car. And I'll just stop right in the middle. I'll say, listen, is this going anywhere anytime soon? Because, because, you know, you could just like, give me the, give me the, like the, the, like the cliff notes and I'll be able to, and I'll be able to, you know, give you an idea of what's going on with your car. Dude, I'm busy. You know, I got shit going on. I could be on the phone or I can work on your car. What do you want me to do? And I people are like, like look up the recipe on well, well, the thing is, nobody takes offense to that because you can be offensive up here. And, and Mark, to your point, like you're in Connecticut, the further east and north you get in New England, the worse your accent and your attitude gets. But we don't oh, mean yeah. anything we're, by it. It's just how we are. We're all cute yeah, and right. nice down here. <laughs> well, well, real quick, guys, I need to head out. I'm actually... Uh, like a lot past what I usually stay on. Uh, but it was oh, really crazy. good chatting with you guys. Uh, Thank you, Ben. Yeah, Thanks, I'm ben. fucking raging um, right down into my fucking keyboard. Uh, yeah, I'll talk to you guys soon. Ron, obviously, always a pleasure. Mark, love yeah, having you, you too, on. Uh, you always you always bring, a like you said, a really nice, smooth way to listen to points. And uh, it makes it a lot easier to talk about instead of uh, fucking Ron, who always makes everything sound angry. Um, so anyway, I love I love you guys. Uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. Night, Ben. Night. <laughs> oh, yeah, we can wrap it up here. Mark, what do you think? I love it. I love it. I saw Ron's face get a little mad when Ben said that. I didn't want to point it out. But Ron, when you ben didn't deserve what? that. You didn't you deserve that. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. I'm from Connecticut. We're too polite to do that. But anyways, I love it. I think this is always fun getting together with you guys. And this was a you know, good idea, Mark. Thank, thank you. you. And I see all these like group podcasts happening. So I figured I'd throw our hat in the ring. And you guys, like Ron said, we've all been kind of doing this for a year now together. And I do feel like you're part of my podcast family. And I prefer the the shorter, the, like the smaller group shows, you know, less people. Everybody gets a little bit more time to to talk. So, yeah, anytime you guys want to do this again, I'm always game. You know that. Send me an invite and uh, look forward to another one from me uh, pretty soon. But uh, for everyone yeah. out there listening, thank you so much for being here and enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now. That's how I always sign off my podcast. Joe, how do you want to sign off? Uh, my sign off usually gets cut off because when I push end, it cuts off the end of it. So I don't know how much of this people will get, but use your fucking turn signals. We love you. Thank you for uh, joining us tonight, and we'll see you next time. Ron, how do you sign off? I do it. Ron from New England, signing off. <laughs> that simple. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. 
by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.